along at any time and crash headlong into either one of them. She eased off her accelerator, and the other driver slowed down alongside her. She considered pulling into the curb to let him go on ahead, but was afraid he might stop too. He was clearly crazy. As they neared a bend, he braked and slipped back behind her to cruise along on her tail. He wasn't completely suicidal then. All she wanted to do now was get home safely. She drove slowly, looking out for a side road she could turn into. With luck, she could slip away before her pursuer realised what she was doing. She passed a turning on the right, displaying a no-entry sign. She braked abruptly. Her phone flew off the passenger seat. The van slowed down behind her. Worn out and stressed, she couldn't even remember why she had been so angry with Piers. It had been a stupid argument in the first place. She wished she was back at home, away from the road at night and its wildness. Leaning forward to retrieve her phone from the floor, she punched Piers's speed dial key. His phone rang, but there was no answer. She glanced in her mirror and glimpsed the other driver, his face a black mask in the darkness. She flung her phone down on the seat again and switched on the radio, as soon as she could, she would turn round and head back home. Reaching a narrow side road, she spun the wheel at the very last minute. Her front wheel hit the curb. Her bumper must have skimmed the wall as she swung round, but she was past caring about the car. She grinned at the mirror. The street behind her was deserted. The side road was one way, wide enough for only one car to pass. Alongside it, a railing fenced off a small parkland. She kept going, hoping she wouldn't lose herself in a maze of one-way streets. The road was too narrow for her to stop and check her sat-nav, but she guessed that if she went left, and left again, she would find Paddington Street, or else end up on Marleybone High Street. The rain was heavy now. The regular pattering of rain and the wipers swishing rapidly across the windscreen were making her drowsy. She turned a corner and gasped. A black van was racing towards her, driving the wrong way along the narrow one-way street. The van approached so fast she had no time to brake. The pavement was only inches wide. They were on a collision course. She heard herself screaming as the van careered towards her without slowing down. She couldn't see the other driver. Recovering herself, she slammed her foot on the brake and tried to swerve. Her front tyre hit the curb with such force that the front of her car slewed round, scraping along the wall, then swung round again. All she could do was grip the steering wheel helplessly while the car slid along. Before she could slow down, a splintering crash reverberated in her head and the whole car seemed to leap and twist in the air, jolting her bones painfully as it came to a standstill. The engine revved noisily. Her head exploded with a second impact. In the blackness, she wasn't sure if her eyes were open or closed. Salty blood filled her mouth, choking her. She knew she had to open the door and get out, but she couldn't move. Aware only of pain slicing through her head and the sound of rain drumming on the car, she lost consciousness. Chapter 2 Byrne didn't mind working nights. 
The hour or two after the train stopped running could be a real money spinner. At any rate, it beats sitting in queues during the day. That was bad enough when he had an impatient passenger, but even worse was crawling through traffic to collect fares. It was a pity he was only allowed to clock up the miles rather than charging by the hour. All things considered, nights were better as long as he avoided picking up drunks. It was almost three in the morning and he was making good time, bowling along the Marleybone Road. With a nice, quiet fare in the back, he decided to follow an indirect route along back streets and notch up a few more quid on the clock. His passenger would be none the wiser, even if he knew the streets of London, which was unlikely. Byrne could see him in the mirror, some swanky American sprawled in the back of the cab. Staying at the Dorchester Hotel, he could afford the extra. Probably wasn't even paying for it himself. Once this journey was over, Byrne would call it a night. It was lucky.